Technically, it's three camps. We have three different encampments. Camp Brookwoods. Brookwoods. Camp Deer Run. Camp Deer Run. River Outpost. Three camps. Moreau and Brookwoods. Deer Run. River Outpost. The Three Camps Podcast. With your hosts, John Cooper and Seth Coates. Three camps. Hello, and thank you for joining us on our 12th episode. I'm John Cooper, and with me in studio is Seth Coates. Back live and in person. So glad you are. And then, Seth, we continue to have friend of the show and friend of the podcast. Sarah Cohen has joined us. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing well. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Uh, Sarah, you're now a a few months removed from our summer. Uh, Correct. How's it going? And what's your takeaway from the summer now having this much distance? Or is this not enough distance? I think I'm still recovering, honestly, John. I am still um, trying to catch up on sleep and um, calm my anxieties. I think I had a little bit of adrenaline that, you know, isn't quite out of my system yet. Um, So, yeah, I think I'm still recovering. I'm getting there. Yeah, you're just describing trauma. That's that's right. Yeah. PTSD. Trauma. Next time you open your laptop, you'll have a breakdown. I like feel like everything it has to be rushed. I don't know. Do you, did you feel that way? Like things that weren't ru- didn't need to be rushed. I was rushing because I spent the whole summer rushing around. Mm. That's interesting. That yeah. is interesting. So like my kids will ask for a snack, and I'm just like frenetically trying to get it quickly. And I'm like, wait, like there's no rush here. They can wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, first period so. doesn't start in 12 minutes, right? So it's not Correct. like you have to Correct. get there. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I'm not eating and also doing last camper Monday. Right. (laughs) Sarah, as you and I have uh, talked at length about what was going on at Brookwoods and Deer Run this summer, um, Sarah was, I think we were both, you know, kind of go-to processing, you know, for each other. There were moments where it was like, you have a minute or do you have 10 minutes? You know, and um, that was super helpful. I don't know, Seth, if you had that. Do you have that in MRO? No, I mean, Kathy and I do that. Yeah. But... At camp, Jason and I do it a little bit. Um, I don't have peers. Yeah. It's yeah. Terrible, what is everybody like? It's a terrible in their thing 20s? to say. He's only uh, at the top. The no, director role is hard. Jason is one year older than I am. Um, <laughs> and our cook was a little older. But So, Sarah, I was thinking it would be interesting to hear from Seth about what went on MRO. And obviously it's. It's going to have to be at a high level because we're not going to go into, you know, 24 hours of debrief. Seriously. But um, I don't know, Seth. I mean, we need to do this. We have to have this process where we spent most of this podcast life setting up camp. Right. And now we have you to talk about how it went (laughs) in Jackman, Maine. Like my hope for this, like some of this chat and as we talk to the MRO people that will build this episode, um, that that will be cathartic for me in the process because... You know how you come up with like a one-liner at the end of the season of like, hey, what was your summer like? Hey, how was summer? You know, you bump into people. My one-liner is usually, I, I, I came back from the summer and I didn't even know what to say because people want to hear like that it's great or that it was awesome and you spent this place, you know, summer at this place that was really cool. And my experience of camp is different than the average person and different than the average camper. And I deal with the hard things and the ever-changing things and the 
uh, parent phone calls, both good and bad. And so, especially this year, my one-liner has been, you know, it was really hard. It was a huge challenge. And there were good things that happened along the way, but it was really hard. So my hope for myself in the this making of this episode is that um, it'll help me see some of those other things, right, that maybe I missed along the way or that I didn't uh, experience firsthand. Because um, a lot of what I experienced firsthand was just hard. Welcome back to the show. We're glad to have you with us, and we're glad to have Seth back in studio. As you'll hear, he'll be talking over uh, what took place at Moose River Outpost this summer, as well as some members of his team. As you may know, we always try and keep it real here on the podcast. We do have some fun stories, and we have some nice takeaways, but in no uncertain terms, it was a hard summer at Moose River Outpost. Not only did they have to deal with the things that a lot of people had to deal with, which is the repercussions of a COVID year, but they also dealt with COVID directly. We talk about a lot of that stuff, but what seems to be the theme throughout is that this was actually still an incredible summer. And look, I'm just going to say it. Ain't nothing holding Moose River Outpost down. This is an episode that deals with the resiliency of campers and camp staff. It shows uh, some problem solving and creativity. But more than anything, it's an episode that shows the Lord really shines through. We're going to hear from the co-counselors of the WILD program, a counselor from one of the oldest girl cabins, And Seth and Sarah and I have a conversation kind of running throughout the episode. Amidst all of that, you'll hear over and over again. Was it a hard summer? Yes, but totally worth it. Now, without further ado, episode 12, baby. Let's get into it. Seth, I, we mentioned this in our previous episode, but you had some real delivery and food issues. Mm. And that was early on. Yeah. Give us a minute on that. Yeah. So I don't remember which session, either one or two, probably one. Um, second Monday. So eight days into camp, we get an email at seven, nope, at nine that morning that says, hey, by the way, this is Cisco and we're not delivering you today so our monday food truck brings us the food that we need to get to thursday where a different food truck brings us the food that we need to get to monday so this is monday morning we're expecting the truck to arrive mid-afternoon which would have that night's dinner on Mm. it and we carry enough inventory right but what we don't carry is enough to span another four days so i i don't remember the exact circumstances of what i was dealing with but i remember thinking that's actually not the most, that's not the biggest fire I have to put out <laughs> right now. A few of my staff were pretty anxious about that, but I rolled with it and it was a mess. We, we loaded a van with some staff. We gave them uh, my credit cards and said, drive yourself to Sam's Club. And they were there until about midnight. The nearest Sam's Club, uh, if you haven't Googled this for us, is like two hours and 15 minutes away. They drive back. They finish putting all the way food away in the freezers and coolers, I think around two in the morning. Mm. And that buys us enough time to get to Thursday. And then for the rest of the summer, uh, Cisco failed to make a Monday delivery. So we eventually started just counting on this and over ordering on our Thursday orders. 
we had to send other people to Sam's Club other times. You know, there were camps that encountered these kind of things that couldn't overcome this hurdle, and it's not easy for us to overcome. Um, but by God's grace, we did. That was a challenge. Yeah. All right, so before we go down too far down this path, give me uh, just something that was great this summer, something that you were excited to have happen. I mean, we could get buried here in the weeds, but I know there were some really good things that took place. Right before season, I think we teased this in one of our uh, podcasts pre-summer, the one where I was down here randomly. Yes. So I got into knife making early in the in the spring as something to do. Like I like to create, to craft, to build. So I was dabbling in this on my own and I was toying with the idea of doing this for a row and I kind of been holding back on spending the money that we would normally spend in our crafts program and kind of hated how we were doing our crafts program. I decided to full scrap our crafts program and launch what we now call Makerspace. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're making knives and canoe paddles. Kids are crafting these themselves. They have to commit to the project for the duration of it. So you can't just kind of like start and then give up. You sign up for it, you're committed. Um, which that's kind of new territory for us at MRO. Typically they get to change their mind every day if they want to, but this one takes a full commitment. So that was really, really well accepted. Uh, we we could have offered it twice as many times. Uh, the kids would have signed up. We just didn't have enough tools sure. and space, physical space. So that was a lot of fun to be involved in that. So our first story comes from the two co-counselors of the WILD program, which is the leadership program at MRL. Now, if you're unfamiliar with WILD, here's a couple things you need to know. One, it's actually physically set on the other side of camp, so there's not a ton of interaction between bulk of camp and the WILD program. Also, they eat most of their meals outside, and they typically cook for themselves. They spend the entire summer in canvas tents, and they spend a lot of time learning and developing skills in the WILD. Evan and Logan come on to tell a pretty funny story about a specific instance this summer and then kind of to wrap up what Wild was like. First, let me introduce you to Logan Gwynn. My name is Logan Gwynn. Um, at camp, I was probably known as Logan Cummings, but I just got married and I have worked at camp for four summers now. Great. And Logan, uh, we're glad to have you. Thank you for joining me. We ask everyone this question. Uh, do you prefer the top bunk or the bottom bunk and why? I would say that I definitely prefer the bottom bunk and it's mostly because all of my childhood I was always forced to have the top bunk and I've had the top bunk more times than I can even remember so every time I have the opportunity to choose I will always choose the bottom bunk. Awesome all right that's a unique and fun answer thank you. We are also joined by Evan Anderson. If you remember, Evan was on the uh, podcast, the first one of our trips series that we did. And he told a story you should go back and listen about the Andro apocalypse. It was great. Evan, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks, John. It's good to be here. Good to have you both. And I should tell everyone, you both are co's, right? For Wild out at MRO. All right, how was it this year with Wild? Was it different? It was definitely different. Um, since we only had the wild ones, didn't have any wild twos there. We had a smaller amount of people there and a closer community. Um, I, that was my first summer over at wild, so I can't speak for other summers, but it was definitely a unique summer over on the wild side. Wild is geared a little bit more towards developing, um, like qualified trip leaders, right? So when they finish wild two, 
they'll come away with, you know, um, probably a lot of similar things to what they learn, like in LDP, like Navic Compass Orienteering. Um, they'll also get their lifeguard certification as well as their wilderness first aid, which is pretty big deal. And it's a cool opportunity for them for sure. As I mentioned earlier, wild was kind of separated from the rest of camp. So COVID didn't affect the wild program the way others probably in MRO world felt it for sure. It was in their minds and they had to do a lot of things just to kind of carry out standard precautions. But once they were able to have all their negative tests and kind of get through the first couple of days, it could be uh, business as usual. As such, we didn't talk about wild in a COVID year as much. And it was kind of nice to be able to talk about camp as being just camp with these two. Here's Logan. So this story is my favorite story of all four years that I've worked at camp. Probably one of my favorite stories to tell in general now. It was uh, like a once in a lifetime event. Hopefully a once in a lifetime event. Um, but it was actually my day off that morning. And day off, days off at Wild look a little bit different because you're over on the other side of the lake. And so there's not a lot of separation that can happen super immediately in the morning. Um, so I like slept in the best I could and got up and started getting ready for my day. First of all, the wilders had all already been cooking breakfast and everything. And as I was like walking back from the bathhouse over there, I just hear a blood curdling yell. And one of my campers just burst out of the canvas tent with a bin of clothing and start like just start throwing the clothing all over the yard and just screaming. And so obviously like I reacted very quickly, like doesn't matter it's my day off. Like so a kid is screaming and throwing things. Like we have, there's a problem somewhere. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Like, like, like but what's going on? How can I help? And she's just screaming, there's a mouse, there's a mouse, there's a mouse. And then like, you know, my anxiety comes down a notch going, okay, like nobody's dying. We can handle a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Seth, have to bring you in here. I mean, mice happen. This is the wild program. What are your thoughts? Well, it's notable that if Evan had uh, bragged on himself a little bit in this story, um, you would find out that he actually had a pro tip that he used to prevent mice from getting into any of his or any of his guys' stuff. All right, what's this pro tip? Dryer sheets. Um, spread them through your things, tuck them in your you know, pockets of your bag that's sitting there, whatever, and they don't like them. They don't go there. Okay. All right, so here, here's the rest of the story. I just wanted to let you come on and say, you know, where mice is a reality, they don't have to be the reality. That, they yeah. don't have to be an epidemic. <laughs> the camper did not believe that starting out or most of the whole time, but she's just, she was beside herself. She's like, there's a mouse. It was in my stuff. I can't believe it. I touched it. I'm like, okay, just calm down, calm down. Tell me what happened. And she had been rummaging in her shirt bin that she was storing underneath her bunk and heard squeaking and something like rustling around in the bin she was digging through and then a mouse jumped out of the bin <laughs> and so she like that she lost her mind she was like i can't believe the mouse was in my stuff i'm like well lady we're in the woods like it i i'm sorry that happened to you but that's kind of normal and yeah. she, she was she was so upset and she's like digging through her her stuff she's like oh my gosh my the mouse chewed my shirts the mouse got like pooped in here i'm like well i'm sorry still kind of normal and then she just lets out another blood curdling scream 
and which again like you know like raises my anxiety again and she's just screaming and screaming she's like there's babies the mouse had had babies in her shirt then and she was just beside herself and she had found like like really gross like she described it as mouse diarrhea and which she was upset about but then she's like the mouse labored in my clothing wait what (laughs) (laughs) and then i lost it like at that point i'm laughing evan's over there he's laughing all the other wilders are around they're they're all screaming and laughing and as like where i like go she's screaming and i'm looking through her clothing there is about seven little pinky mice in there like squeaking and squirming and it and then like then the all the rest of the kids are we have to save them <laughs> keep in mind too this is like what was it like three days before camp was over like two days before like yeah was, we're not going to be like, taking care of these mice for long <laughs> no and I'm trying to be like, guys, we can't keep the mice. And meanwhile, trying to comfort Lainey because she's just crying. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The uh, the the immediate transfer from get this thing out of here to we have to save its family is incredible. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, that's incredible. Yeah. I gotta be honest. At first, I'm like, okay, it's a mouse, but that's the best. I'm so glad this happened. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because, like, yeah, that was my response, too. Like, like, oh, you know, it's a mouse. Yeah. Get over it. And then we, then we found there was baby mice, which is a whole another ball game. That's just a little bit more icky that way. <sighs> That's one of those situations where I just, like, gleefully kind of step step back and smiled and was like logan that's your problem yeah seriously <laughs> sorry it's your day off but uh you're on man yeah yeah <laughs> all right so after this semi-ridiculous story i did ask evan and logan to tell me some highlights of this summer at wild you know when you talk about like highlights for the summer i think the the biggest highlight that's just kind of overall for me um, is watching how this group developed as a team. Um, like when they first got there, a lot of strong personalities in that group. And when they first got there, like everybody at main camp, you know, said they looked over at the table we were all sitting at and they, <laughs> they were kind of just like, Oh my gosh, that is so much energy. I can't even handle it. Um, because like you just have these big personalities like just clashing into each other and like bouncing off each other and all that. And, you know, it was kind of a challenge to like kind of direct that energy, you know, and like help them use that in a productive way to accomplish what we were trying to do. You know, you contrast yeah. that with like the end of the summer though, where they've now melded as a unit completely as they all ran this triathlon together and they're like, running each other in as they're finishing the race together. Um, One complete cohesive unit. The problem solving by the end was great. And the maturity went up quite a bit, which I thought was, was great. It was amazing seeing the group from the first day to the last day. All right. So you heard that right, everyone. There is a triathlon. And it seems like one of all of our leadership groups, Seth, they do this. Like the SALT program has like a 26-mile bike ride. The LDPs do a three-mile swim. And let me see if I have this right. So the triathlon for MRO 
is they swim across the lake, yep. right? Which is not nothing. It's roughly a mile. Okay. And then they uh, bike for eight or nine miles. Mm-hmm. Out out through our property, down a section of logging road that abuts our property, and then it loops back in uh, to the property. Okay. And then they run for about three to four miles, and most of that is hills, right? It's just like uphill. Yeah. So if you've driven the MRO driveway, they leave their bikes right pretty much at our gate, which is right on 201. Okay. And then from there, yeah, you climb. <laughs> and then, it, you know, you plateau a little bit and then you drop down to the creek and then you climb all the way into yeah. camp. Yeah. yeah. It's rough. Well, I, I just wanted to call it out because it's legit. Yeah. yeah. It's actually a route that I looked at like, hey, you wonder if we could we could run a fundraiser. We could bring a this off-road triathlon series to camp. We could call it Try for Camp, right? Mm. And, and run a fundraiser. Never happened, but we put it into wild. Cool. So, and then uh, just one other point on wild, they do do that 12 day trip, right? Yeah. We call it the mother trip, the mother trip. And then, uh, and on that is a solo. There is a solo in there. Yeah. Yeah. 24 hour. That's a year one thing. Okay. Uh, 12 days, canoeing, hiking, backpacking, whitewater rafting, solos all happens in there. Awesome. All right. I I think this was really special for me um, because my last three years I've not really been like directly involved in the campers lives um my first few years on trip staff you know and so i was i was more like a cool uncle you know i'd take them out on a trip and then like bring them back and then hand them back to their counselors get out of here um you know like a lot of the drama and such i didn't really have to be you know super involved in um and then my third summer as head counselor and you know i'm more focused on like helping run the program and like being a a support unit for the male counselors. Um, And again, like I didn't really have too much interaction with campers unless it was like a disciplinary situation. And this summer was certainly my favorite because um, I kind of got to like combine all those skills that I've learned the last couple of years and actually have a like direct role in the development of these kids going through this program. Um, and, you know, you, you see it on main camp side um, if you're in like support staff or senior staff. Um, but to have like a direct, you know, part in challenging these kids and pushing them out of their comfort zone and watching them grow. And then like, just seeing the places that they go. We had so many kids, you know, this summer who, um, one or two in particular, who were just like completely different people by the end of the four weeks. And, you know, I I couldn't be more proud of them to, you know, have been able to push themselves that far. And I couldn't be more grateful to have played at least a small part in that. A big thank you to Logan and Evan for coming on and talking about their experience this summer. I'm afraid now we have to do it. We have to talk about the COVID aspects of what went on here at MRO. So we're going to jump back into a conversation I was having with Seth and Sarah Cohen. I mean, there's some obvious things that, that you know, being in a COVID summer means. And we can get into that if you want. But what do you think were challenges that your staff had to immediately adjust to? Maybe we were even unforeseen until you're like, oh, yes, I didn't even think about that being something that we'd have to process or deal with. Mm. 
Well, getting COVID, I mean, we had like session three when it actually showed up. We had been so like, you know, mid session test goes in and and it comes back clean the first two sessions and it's like celebration all through camp, you know, and then email the parents and say, hey, good news, camp is COVID free and. And then we get all relaxed is what it felt like for about four days. And then we get a new batch of campers and start again. Uh, and third session, I think of it as the session of never ending change. Like we had a kid get COVID symptoms before the test was even out the door on day four. And so we're adjusting camp for that cabin and how that affects the rest of camp. And then, so that's on a Thursday on Saturday morning, we get the results back and two other people in camp have COVID, so now they have to go home and we have to quarantine schedule those two cabins. Um, by that night, we've had enough meetings between me and my senior staff and my nurses that we decided to just shift all of camp, right? And this is never ending change for my staff. And it's not at a time of day where it makes for good communication. I've read a couple of my staff's thoughts on the summer as they've given feedback and uh communication is one of them surprise surprise uh things were happening so fast that we couldn't have good communication about it right it was just Mm. dissemination of information here's the new set of standards four Mm. hours later here's the new set of standards Mm. 24 hours later here's the new set of standards it was never ending and never like it never let up for me until the kids went home and then I got COVID. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which for me I'm was I'm glad like, it wasn't when camp was happening. Oh, me too, for sure. Um, but I don't, I'm sorry you got COVID. Yeah, it was awful. We have a local guy uh, it, in town here that does a pretty good job roasting coffee. And all summer long, we were able to get coffee that was roasted the day before and we would start brewing it. And I think some people appreciated that. Um, but he was sending us these giant iced coffees and I knew you were in it, and I knew it was going crazy. So I sent a giant batch of iced coffee up, not realizing that you were sequestered and never had any. Never <laughs> had like, any. Oh, so sad. Yep. It's like he was gone for 10 days. I didn't even know about it, actually, until a few yeah. days later, after COVID oh. was over for me. Yeah. John's asking me about it, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, and then I actually went back to camp. I don't think I told you this. And I found this massive cooler labeled cold brew on it. I'm like, what are the chances there's anything left in this? And I hit the spout, nothing. Oh, <laughs> oh sad. Uh, and I think what you're talking about is pivoting. Like, it's you finally get your footing. Like, you make a decision, you pivot, you finally get your footing. Like, okay, this is what you're doing. And then you get some more information and you have to pivot again. And I think that's what I didn't realize would be so emotionally exhausting that just it's even if like things were going smooth, you're still all the added layers of like checking or making plans or evaluating. You know, one of the unintended positives probably of the state's process in how they were ever changing their regulations for us throughout, you know, from November until until camp started, we already had enough backup plans and models on how to mm-hmm. run camp that when it happened it was easy for me to go okay then this is the model this is the one that fits for right now and then a few hours later or the next day when some more things have changed okay now this is the one that fits for now you know what i was impressed with with all the pivots was the campers 
they would ask good questions. They wanted to understand why the, you know, why we're saying you have to do this or that or what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. But once they had asked their questions and the staff had bought into whatever the thing was, whatever the change was, they rolled with it really great. Some of, several of them even told us that their, of their summers at camp, third session, one where we had COVID and changed camp like four times. That was their favorite session of all of the mm. sessions they've attended. So our staff did great with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there were even a couple of unintended, like good takeaways that we'll probably use to shape this next summer. Um, mm. Things that we wouldn't have done, wouldn't have hit the schedule if we hadn't had COVID that are worth keeping for the 2022 season. Like they're like unintended good takeaways from summer out of mm-hmm. things that we wouldn't have wanted to happen. I also think it's interesting you say that campers had a great experience despite all this. I am still recovering from the summer, but this was one of my favorite summers relationally. I feel like I did something really hard with people that I care about. And I wonder if the campers have a similar takeaway. Like it was hard, but through the hardness and the weirdness of it being different, they connected in a different way because it wasn't normal. Our next guest is a counselor named Emma Heiner. Hello, my name is Emma Heiner. I've only been at camp one year. It was my first year this past summer working as a counselor. And um, I am definitely a bottom bunker, but used to be a top bunker. My whole life as a camper, I was a top bunk every single time. I just think I liked the ladder and seeing the view from the top was nice. I got to just really see what was going on. But then ever since I started becoming staff at other camps, I, I pick the bottom every time because I don't wake up to alarms at all. So <laughs> if I'm up at the top, that does not help anything for nice. anybody. Emma hails from downtown Phoenix in Arizona. She kind of came to MRO in a very providential way. In no uncertain terms, she specifically prayed to be able to go to a camp in Maine. And as things kind of took shape, it ended up being MRO. We spent a lot of time talking about Emma's first impressions of camp, what it was like to be on an East Coast camp coming from the western part of the United States, and Emma brought a really great and unique perspective on what it was like to be the first-time staff member that she was here at camp. We actually want to use a lot of our conversation with Emma in some other episodes, so we want to give an abridged version of Emma's initial arrival at camp. But then, as Seth had been describing dealing with the coronavirus at camp, Emma understood this all too well as she was one of the cabins that got hit by COVID and had to start sending campers home. Emma is a godly woman. She is so fun to talk to, and you're going to hear a lot of things in her stories that are relevant to the themes that we've been talking about. Obviously, we have northern parts of Arizona that are wooded, um, and I've gone camping my whole life. But I had no idea what the opposite of the country would be like and had heard that sometimes it's like, our winters in the summer there. (laughs) And I like the cold, so that doesn't bother me at all. That was actually exciting, but I had no idea what I was walking into. Um, So I was just amazed by everything when I got there. I was looking at the trees and I'd never seen that much grass and trees all in one place at the same time. (laughs) And so many of the other staff thought it was so funny as I would just look around and I was just so amazed at what it even (laughs) looks like. It looks so opposite of here. But it was really exciting. Yeah, different than Metropolitan Phoenix. So what was that first day like? My my first day, I was I landed in Portland, um, Maine, 
and stayed the night in an Airbnb. And the first person from camp that I met was Logan. She was a wild counselor this year. And she was seriously one of the best people I think I could have had an early introduction or introduction to what camp was like. Yeah, Logan's um, good. She's good people. She's right? good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great people. <laughs> Yeah, she picked me up from my Airbnb, helped me lug all of my suitcases down flights of stairs, and she had a potato donut sitting in the car. And I was like, what on earth is a potato donut? (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, you got to try it. It's so good. And she had a coffee for me, the donut. And I was like, wow, this is pretty hospitable. She (laughs) seems really sweet. And we were about to go on a road trip all the way up to camp, which is a few hours. And so Actually, we weren't going straight to camp. We were going to go to um, to lifeguard training. And so we were driving. We stopped at uh, different places along the way and then um, got up to camp. I kind of had a great introduction with all of the staff. And obviously coming from knowing absolutely no one to meeting everyone that I've been wondering, you know, what they're going to be like. It was quite the experience, but everybody was so welcoming and really sweet. And anytime that I ever had questions, they were super quick to answer them. And yeah, I normally don't have really any fear of meeting new people so that I think that helps a little bit that I'm a people person. I like to talk to people, but um, it was definitely like just walking in with no clue what this was going to look like and just being excited for what the Lord had. But I just had no idea. It was super unknown. First day of actual camp, was pretty interesting. My co was actually off the first day of camp. That was her off day. And so I had all of the girls by myself the first day and I was learning the new schedule with all the kids and we were walking around and and especially I could resonate with those new campers because I was actually new as well. And so we were just figuring it out together and it ended up being super fun getting to know the girls and getting to, to get a glimpse into what the next few months would look like with kids. I don't know, John, you probably know, but our our cabin third session got COVID and a few of our girls got sent home. I think we were, I think one week in, like just shy of one week in when two of our girls were sent home. And that was pretty crushing as a counselor of seeing, like we already had a pretty small cabin uh, that session. And so to see two of our girls go home was hard. And there was a lot of loss that we went through. Just me and my my co-Mel, of just processing what this was going to look like and having to really shift our perspective for what what goal we really did want out of camp. Camp really is, so much of it is community. You have the backup of your staff. You have the comforts of going to staff meetings and feeling this sense of togetherness and our campers do as well with the other campers. And so when our cabin got COVID, we knew that togetherness was going to change a little bit and it was going to become a lot more small. <laughs> of a sense of togetherness. And so as counselors, Mel and I were trying to juggle, how do we continue to get what we want to draw out of camp for these kids, even in light of having a big thing almost taken away? And our kids seriously were the most conducive to that environment. Like the kids that we had that session were the perfect kids to have that session. Um, And I know that that was the Lord's provision. So it was sad to see some of our girls go, but that also meant that we had an even smaller amount of of girls to make connections with on a lot more time 
because we had to kind of switch our schedules around, we just had so much more cabin time with them to get to know them and to laugh with them. There were so many nights where we were just sitting on the floor making up games because Mel and I had run out of ideas. So we're just making up games on the fly and our girls were loving it. Like they were having a blast. We were getting extra desserts every now and then because other people felt bad that we were isolated. And so every time something would happen, Mel and I would just have to turn it around to just be like, this is the best thing ever. And our girls genuinely believed that even when us as counselors were having a hard time, our girls were totally sold that nothing better could have happened to our cabin than getting COVID, <laughs> which sounds like Star total, <laughs> it sounds totally strange, but there was, there's one thing that I, I really do think that it would be great to share. We were, we had a, a hiking trip planned. I think this was actually the last full day that we had, even with the rest of our girls, because eventually all of them had to go home. So that was just another huge thing. But we we went on a hike. We hiked Burnt Jacket and it wasn't it wasn't a bad hike. It was really great. And we got to the top of the mountain and I had forgotten to do Bible study earlier that morning with our girls. And so I was I left the Bible study papers back at the cabin as well. So maybe not Star Counselor, <laughs> but we're up at the top of this mountain in the middle of Maine. And we're just like looking at all of these incredible mountains surrounding us. There's birds flying above us. There's blueberry fields next to us. It was seriously incredible. I remembered that uh, we were in Ephesians. We were talking about the immeasurable love of God. And that was supposed to be the study that we were going to go through. And I asked them the question, like, what was a time that you felt the Lord went above and beyond? Like he did immeasurably more for you out of his love for you. And you just weren't expecting him to go that far, whether it was something you had prayed for or something that you never even thought of for yourself. It was just a way that the Lord has tremendously blessed you. And then our girls responses, which I was not expecting, was that their immeasurably more was their experience at camp with COVID. Having our girls go home and multiple of them had been there for numerous years. Mm. And they were like, this has been the best, the best camp we've ever been to. The best year that we've ever come, like the best circumstances. <laughs> and like in my head, I was like, do, do, am I even believing that our girls are saying that this, this really hard trial has been the best thing that's ever happened to them and that this is a gift from the Lord? And it's, it it's just It's worth noting me. that like one of those girls, this is her third summer at camp. So it's not like it's, it's yeah. like her only version of camp. She's seen what we actually call normal camp, right? And yeah. this is what she's choosing over that. Exactly. So that was just such a sweet time for Mel and I to just listen to our girls. One, talk about their relationships with the Lord, that they recognized that camp and this experience was a gift from God. Whether they believed in God or not, they knew that this was really special. And so it was just so sweet to hear each of them one by one be like, yes, me too. That's what I was going to say. Camp has been the best, and this has been such a fun experience. They were just blown away at what the Lord had done. And the next day they ended up, I believe, leaving. I think that was the last day that we had all together. Wow. And it was just such a sweet way to close camp for them.
um, going on this hike and just sitting at this mountain, just talking about what the Lord had done in their lives. It was just really, really cool. The session of never ending change. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Mel and I um, stayed isolated for uh, quite a few days until camp was going to end. And And so we had a lot of time to sit and write cards to our girls and to just talk about what the Lord had done and how incredible our experience of camp was, despite so much hardship. There's that word again. We're kind of back where we started. If you remember, Seth said something very similar in the beginning of this episode. You know how you come up with like a one-liner, especially this year, my one-liner has been, you know, it was really hard. And even now, when I think back to camp, when people ask, like, how was camp? How was Maine? Because so many of my friends here obviously were asking when I got back. And there was not one bad thing that I had to say. And then as I would describe camp, they were like, well, geez, that sounds like it was honestly really hard. And I was (laughs) thinking, actually, yeah, it, it really was actually one of the hardest things I've done. So many different things happened. Um that could have caused camp to just not be fun. And the whole time I just had this joy that it was just so exciting despite the hardship and despite all of the different things happening, that it was just such an incredible experience. Um, Seeing my campers draw closer to Christ was my favorite thing. Camp was incredible. When I think about the nitty gritty, yeah, there were some hard things that I had to go through as a counselor and hard things that I watched other people go through. But overall, it was a really, really sweet experience. And I'm super excited to hopefully go back. As we wrap this episode up, I asked Emma if there was a time she could recall during camp where things got real or things started to crystallize or the Lord kind of spoke to her and and she was ready with a different set of eyes or a ministry focus. Her answer was incredible, so much so that we've actually kind of adopted the language that she used or was given from a friend. During staff training, I, I got a package in the mail. And I wasn't expecting to get anything, especially that early on in camp. But it ended up coming from one of the families that I have grown up camping with my whole life. And they also have a huge love for camp. They also went to the camp that my parents went to growing up. And so they're just sweet family friends. And they gave me this huge box of, um, it was like a box of sunshine or something. And they had a bunch of yellow stuff in it. Um, But what really impacted me was the letter that they had wrote out for me, um, the mom of that family had written um, her, she, I quote it just, I was quoting it all of camp because it just really stood out to me, but she had said, it was kind of her advice to me for camp. Um, She had said, come to the end of yourself, your gifts and your abilities, and you'll see God show up with power and strength. Um, He's called you here and that purpose is good. That plan is good. And that was exactly what I needed walking into months that I had no idea what they were going to look like. And very quickly, I did come to the end of myself in ministry of just really feeling like I had been placed in some cold water and didn't, didn't really know where to go. And so that was super reassuring to me to know that coming to the end of my own ability was a good thing because that meant that the Holy Spirit could take over a little bit, um, that I was relying on 
the Lord's strength completely, that it wasn't about me at all from the very beginning. So that was definitely the biggest thing in the beginning that honestly pushed me through to the end was continuing to remember that it was okay, that I didn't know what I was doing sometimes and that I had no idea what to say to these kids sometimes in one-on-ones and sitting and ministering to them and answering really hard questions that I didn't need all of the answers that the Lord would use me as he will and that I could just be excited and live for him as much as I could and and it would accomplish the work that it was supposed to so that was super reassuring uh, there was a definitive moment for me where I feel like I was at the end of myself and I remember I was in the kitchen Mike Brigham was in the kitchen with me and my staff was all around making stuff ready for breakfast. And I felt like, <laughs> I felt wide-eyed. I felt like I did not know where I was gonna find another like ball of energy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it felt like you, that was like the moment for me where I was like, I don't I don't think I have anything left. And that was early, <laughs> it was early in. Uh, and, and it was a lot that had happened. It had been a long couple weeks and some weird, you know, uh, mistakes that had no malice in them were made. And it was like, I just didn't know what to do. And you do kind of realize in that moment, like, as we should always know, but in that moment, I was like, it's gotta be the Lord. Mm. There's no way I can mm. do anything else, you know? And, and it always should have been that way, but you kind of have to be brought to those points sometimes. Well, and for mm. me, that moment came early in the summer. So second Tuesday of first session, so we've only had kids for like nine days at this point. Um, it was my day off and my assistant director comes in and says, Hey, there was a fist fight. We're going to need you to come. So, oh. so I go and deal with that till around midnight. The next day we have a different cabin, have a different behavioral type incident. And, um, and I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that does this a lot, but I just felt like the wheels were coming off the bus. Like Mm -hmm. things were just unraveling at a rate that I wasn't okay with and didn't have any ability to affect. Um, And so I sent a few text messages to some trusted uh, friends and mentors and just said, hey, would you pray for us? Mm -hmm. Because the wheels are coming off the bus and I can't stop it. And did that, I think around 1030 that morning. And then about 24 hours later, I looked back and at my last 24 hours and was like, well, when did it start to get better? And it was right around the time that I sent that text mm. and that people started praying for us. And um, mm. so early in the summer that, you know, we, we, it is our job to put forth all the effort that we can to make this camp great for the kids that are there, for the staff that are there to, you know, create the opportunity for learning and life change. and. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's really kind of up to the Lord, uh, as to how that works out. And it's not about our effort. This week's episode was produced by John Cooper and myself and special thanks to Evan, Logan, Emma, and Sarah for joining us. Thanks also to all of you listening and the patience that you've had with us. Our schedules this year are different than last year, and this um, producing this has been a challenge. Lots more stories to share. We have a few in the queue. Bear with us. More to come soon. Thanks again. And Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everyone.